Welcome in to the free agency edition of the Dolphins in Depth podcast. I have been awake all of 20 minutes, Adam Beasley, because last night I posted a story at 1.30 in the morning. Good morning to you. Uh, good morning to you. I think I was sound asleep by like uh, 10.45. I'm an old man. Well, very good. No, we've got it all covered, bro, and that's the way it's going to work because um, you take the early shift and I will show up for the vampire shift. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, I do have fangs and you are a saint. Have you ever, yeah, right. Have you ever had a job where you've had to get up early? No. <laughs> As a matter of fact, true story. The reason that I am such a night owl is because when I was in college, I my first job in journalism was working for the now defunct Miami News, and my job was taking high school scores, and the job was 7 p.m. to 2 a.m., mm-hmm. and then I was hired full-time by the Miami News, and I often had to work the, the, the desk. Which, as a PM paper, that meant showing up to work at 10 p.m. until oh. until 6 a.m. Oh. And I did that twice a week, and so it was uh, it was very interesting. It was, and you know, there was camaraderie involved in covering the high school. So we would be done at 2 a.m. and then we'd go to Denny's. <laughs> on Biscay Boulevard for breakfast. I get home at 4 a.m. every day. Denny's or Club Space, 11, these clubs that don't close. I think that's where you head. Yeah, no, that that was uh, that was pre-Club Space. That was <laughs> that was way pre-before. I've never been to Club Space. That's that's a dirty place. Yeah, um, neither have I. That's a dirty place. I, I wonder if they're coronavirus compliant. Do you, do you, I, think that, do you think that place takes the proper protocols? I don't mean dirty as in not clean. I mean <laughs> dirty as in stuff that happens there is... Uh, uh, that's is, what you're getting at. Is beyond the pale immoral. Uh, <laughs> no, which they probably see as something of a of a point to push to people as an advertising point. Look at us. We're immoral. Come to us. Hey, I am sure uh, 4,000 years ago, Gomorrah was a fun place to hang out. Probably not the safest place, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah, how'd that work out? <laughs> how'd that work out? So, Speaking of staying on the straight and narrow, uh, Chris Greer, is, yes. he, is he going to stay on the straight and narrow when it comes to free agency? He is going to try. And um, so I, I posted my first uh, free agency column of the 2020 offseason, and – the Dolphins are going to spend like the Dickens, Beasley. Yeah? No. Oh. Uh, you, got, well, they, you, got, you, you got me excited. Well, no, actually, you know what's funny is they just might. But it's – it's I like it. It's a nuanced approach uh, to free agency. It's a – we are going to be aggressive. We are going to spend. But we're not going to put ourselves – in salary cap hell. At least that is the that is the the goal here, right? Yes. Um you know, there are goals that that you set 
and you can have them and talk about them in the weeks leading up to free agency, and then free agency begins next week, and other teams are signing your guys, and you're competing, and your good goals and your desires to not put yourself in salary cap hell are one thing, and your other goal to get actual players is the other. Let's see how that flies. That yeah, yeah to- totally right. I, I, would, I will say this about Chris Greer. Um, he's pretty honest when he talks to us. Uh, he, I think it was – no, listen, listen. I understand that there will be some disinformation, but from a broader philosophical standpoint, he told us we don't want to sign the highest price free agents. We want to – instead of signing two mega deals, we want to sign six starters. He told us that six months ago, and I think he's going to follow through with it. I mean, yes, there, there are times that he – willfully uh, gives us the, the runaround or the misinformation or the misdirection. Understand that completely. But when, you're, when you extract yourself from the here and now and just think about how he thinks broadly about building a team, I think he's going to follow that. I love to extract myself from the here and now. I often wish that I was <laughs> extracted from the here and now. Um, so I get that, but again – this is a competitive situation. You know, it's like a team that has a game plan during game week, and then the game starts. And that stuff that you plan to use and those plays that you plan to have working, all of a sudden the other team has them down cold. Now what do you do? And that's what I think is going to be tested during this free agency. You see what I'm saying? I do. I do. Do you think there will be a sense of panic then if they have a value for a guy and the market says, no, 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 that's not the value for the guy. This is the value for the guy. And, oh, by the way, there's a steep drop-off from that this guy to the next guy. Do you think that they'll, that moment will arise in the next two weeks? How do you think he'll handle it? Well, this is interesting because, <clears throat> again, the value, if we're talking yearly value, they're going to be competitive in that. Uh, mm-hmm. For example, Xavier Howard, right? So Xavier Howard got arguably the richest contract of any cornerback in the NFL. Um, so that that happened last year, last May. He's over fifteen million dollars per annum. Okay. But if you look at the actual contract and how it's set up, you know, he got $27 million in change in in fully guaranteed money. There's other guys, like Tremaine Mack got 32. Mm -hmm. There's other guys that have gotten, you know, 28. He didn't do so well in the fully guaranteed department. And beyond that, the Dolphins set it up to where towards the end of the contract, they could basically walk away, and not just towards the end, in the last four years. Right. Uh, they could walk away and not really feel any any pain from dead cap money. If if you're doing that in a vacuum, and they did with Xavier Howard, that's one thing. Right. But if you're doing that and say, I don't know, the Indianapolis Colts are offering you you know, 10% more guaranteed money, and it goes through the life of the contract, uh, all of a sudden now you're thinking, hmm, if you have a good agent, hmm, am I likely to get cut at the end of this deal 
and not see the money at the end of this deal with the Dolphins or with the Colts? And the answer is with the Dolphins. And so who do you pick? You're absolutely right. And I think that's Xavier's deal was a function of him having a full year left on his contract, knowing the Dolphins were going to franchise him after that year if the deal didn't get done. So he, he knew that it would be at least two years until he got to the open market. And he figured, I'll take this deal now, and if they cut me after three years, I'll be 27 years old still in, in the prime of my career going into free agency. I think that's probably how he saw it. But you're absolutely right. That's the advantage of doing these contracts a year early. In free agency, you don't have that. It's you against every other team in the National Football League, and there are, there, the, the, the price will go up. And, and I had to look the numbers recently. I know the Dolphins have $88 million projected right now in salary cap space. That's not the real number, though. The real number would be whatever they get after they cut Rashad Jones and either after they cut Albert Wilson or he takes a severe pay cut. So it's probably going to be closer to 110-plus what they'll end up having in, in cap space. Uh, but there's a ton of teams out there that aren't up against the cap. Um, that, you know, yes, there are, there, there are teams that are in trouble, and I think the Dolphins are going to be in a position to take advantage of those teams. Uh, and we can get to that in a second. But I, I, I do think that there are, there, there, there is a, the, the market is flooded with money. And so if the Dolphins think they can just play a value move the entire way through the spring, I think they're mistaken. So let's talk about Albert Wilson for a minute because I think we might uh, not necessarily agree on the track for him. Uh, you're thinking, again, that they're going to either cut him or, or uh, force him to take a pay cut? Uh, that's what I would do. Why? Because he's not worth $9 million. Uh, why? He had like seven catches last year. <laughs> I mean, you, yes, you, the, 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 the trajectory was good for him. He was getting better as the year went on. But wide receivers, the one position, A, that they have plenty of, and B, you can get good ones in the draft. Why, if they have 14 draft picks, including six in the first uh, two days, would you continue to pay a guy who didn't give you much last year at that rate? when you can just go and draft somebody. I hate your logic. <laughs> uh, actually, Albert Wilson, didn't he have like 43 catches last year? Let's take a look. Is that, uh, it sounds like a number you know exactly, so I probably don't even have to look that up. I think he probably had close to 43 catches for 351 yards, averaging 8.2 yards a carry with a long of 35 and one touchdown. That's off the top of my head. Uh, are you paying $9 million a year for 8.2 yards a catch? Okay, so on the face of it, that's not value. You're absolutely correct. But he, here's, my, here's my defense of Albert Wilson for the judge and jury of our listeners. Um, so you have... A, a guy that last year was coming off a significant hip surgery. Um, hmm. I wonder what. And uh, uh, never mind. Uh, <laughs> uh, what are you getting that, Armando? <laughs> a significant hip surgery. He wasn't ready at all uh, early in the season, and it took him a minute to actually get going. And I don't. I'm not sure that he was 100% at any point. Mm. But the point is. He's 100% now. He will be 100% this year. He will be in the off-season training regimen. He will be in training camp, and he should be, you know, obviously 100% ready to go at the start of 
the season. I can see a I can see a scenario where he is the same guy that he was at the beginning of the 2018 season when he was the most dynamic wide receiver on the field for the Miami Dolphins. And in a Chan Gailey offense, if he is that, he will most definitely be worth $9 million. On the other side, if you cut him, because he's not likely to take a, a significant pay cut, I would say, if you cut him, he's going to go somewhere else and be that guy, and now you have to draft a wide receiver. And I get it. It's a big wide receiver class. It's a talented wide receiver class. But you've just created another need for yourself at wide receiver where you've been trying for a year to not have wide receiver needs that are obvious. Well, and that's, that's one of the benefits of having close to $100 million of cap space. You can take on some contracts like that. But what's the one name when they always say, well, it's a, it's a group effort. Uh, Brian's involved. Uh, Chris is involved. What's the other name that's always involved? Brandon Shore, who does the salary cap. Hmm. I wonder if Brandon Shore, who is the ultimate numbers guy, is going to say, look, yes, we can, we can carry Albert Wilson and we can project him to be a much better player in 2020. The, 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 the value isn't right. And, and again, I, I would say almost every decision they've made since the moment they fired Mike Tannenbaum and Adam Gase, was to was for value. Again, you at some point you have to build a competitive roster. I totally understand that, and he is Albert Wilson. If healthy, is a is an asset to your team. I, I would at least make the call to to Drew Rosenhaus's agent and say, "How about six? All right, nine's a, nine steep, six we can live with." And I don't think you know maybe Albert will think, "No, I can get more than six in the open market," and they'll move on. My guess is at least a phone call will be made to see if that number can come down. Right, and the Dolphins, if they cut Albert Wilson, they will save $9.5 million in cap space. Mm-hmm. Just, just like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, again, uh, it, it sounds good on the, in the lab in, where you have a controlled environment, but, you see, Albert Wilson gets a say. And Drew Rosenhaus gets a say. And Drew Rosenhaus, who has connections to 31 other teams, gets a say. And maybe the say is, hey, Albert, they'll cut you. It'll cost you, uh, you know, $9.4 million on the front end. But I'll get you a new contract with someone else, and they'll pay you more than $9 million in guaranteed money this year. You will make more money this year being cut than saying with the Dolphins, what do you want to do, take the pay cut or go somewhere else? We've gone way, way long on this segment, Armando. We need to take a short break. But on the other side of the break, I'm going to tell you my wild, crazy prediction of who the starting running back in 2020 for the Miami Dolphins will be. Wow, that's a good tease. Okay, we're back. And I'm ready. Are you ready, Armando, to hear who I believe the starting running back for the 2020 Miami Dolphins will be? I'm sitting at the edge of my seat. His name is Todd Gurley. Wow. That would be a disaster. <laughs> would it? Yeah. And here's, what, and here's why I don't think it would. The Dolphins, we just discussed, have all this cap space. All this cap space. And you know what they like to do with that cap space, Armando? 
trade on for just trade for distressed assets and pick up draft picks. And Todd Gurley is a distressed asset. He is he is absolutely earning more money now than he is that he deserves. He has a huge roster bonus coming up. His cap number for the Rams is like thirteen million dollars. It wouldn't be that for the Dolphins, obviously. If they traded him, it would be much lower. It'd be more like his his base salary. It would be it'd be a much more a, a palatable number for them. And they'd get a second round pick if they did it. So they could carry Gurley for a year, have a second round pick, and have a fine player. Maybe draft a guy you don't need to use a first-round pick on a dude then, a second- or third-round pick. All of a sudden, a position of weakness in 2019 is a position of strength, and you have a premium draft pick to show for it. Uh, that sounds good, <laughs> uh, but not to me. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. Uh, look, I, I, I like Todd Gurley. Uh, I, I especially like the fact that he's 25 years old. I like the fact that, you know, he's been a a, a proven player. <clears throat> I don't like the fact that his knees are screwed up. Yeah. <laughs> and um, what position does he play? He plays running back. And his knees are screwed up. <laughs> uh, and, and, and so, look, the Los Angeles Rams have a problem, right? Mm-hmm. In their backfield named Todd Gurley. because. Mm-hmm. He's going to cost them $17.2 million against the cap this year. Mm-hmm. Why are the Miami Dolphins the team that says, we'll fix your problem? Who <laughs> well, happy to do it? it? It would absolutely cost them, and that's the point. Uh, when the Dolphins traded for Tlaib, what, what do they get back, a fifth or sixth round pick, something like that? Yeah. And he didn't play a single snap for the Miami Dolphins. And what did they end up paying him? Like, like $4 million, something like that? Yes. So if, if, if $4 million with no production is worth a fifth or sixth round pick, I'll have to look it up, but it was certainly a third-day pick, why wouldn't $12 million, or whatever it would cost them for one year, plus the potential of real production and a second be worth a second-round pick? I mean, if, if, if they are so data-driven, so math-driven, those numbers add up, and you've got a running back who maybe you can rehabilitate. I, I would take a shot on him for sure. How do you rehabilitate jacked-up knees? <laughs> well, if you get one year out of him and then you cut him, and then you've got your, your draft pick. And he wasn't terrible last year. If you cut him, you've taken on his contract, no? But he's got, he, there's no guaranteed money after this season. You can this- just move on. There's not $4.2 million in prorated bonus in 2021 and a $5 million roster bonus? That's already – well, the the prorated uh, signing bonus is just a cap number. The money has already been paid. paid. That's just what the cap number the Rams would have to to eat to trade him. But uh, his contract down the road becomes much more palatable than it is now. (laughs) Okay. Um, I get it. Uh, that feels to me, I'll be honest with you, I'm sure that very intelligent people like you get it, uh, and the Dolphins are very intelligent people. Less intelligent people like me who think football and not analytics and not, um, how would, should I say it, the balance of analytics versus actual talent on the roster and, and fall in that direction. This is stupid. Somebody else's problem. You're inheriting. <laughs> you're inheriting it. 
you're taking on the problem and much of the salary. You're not improving as much as you could for the sake of a future draft pick. Uh, I'm sorry. I want a good running back that I have drafted. He's going to be cheap. This is a good year for running backs. And his knees are not going to be shot. And, oh, by the way, let the Rams solve their own damn problem. <laughs> uh, I, you make good points. I will counter with this. I would cringe. And we talk to these running backs at the draft, and there's DeAndre Swift. I mean, there's a Cam Akers. There's a lot of really good running backs yeah. in this draft. There are. I ain't giving up a first-round pick to draft a quarterback, a, a running back. I'm just not doing it. Uh, especially when you need a left tackle, especially when you need cornerback help, especially when you don't have a rush defensive end. You have all these needs where those are where you use your premium picks. And, yes, oh, I know you, and you, could use, you could use, like, maybe the 56th pick or their third-round pick on a running back. That's totally fine. You pair him with Gurley and you get a second-round pick out of it, to me that's worth the $12 million or whatever it's going to cost you. Straw man, straw man, straw man. Who said you have, who said you have to use a first-round pick on a running back? Nobody said that. Well, that's where the best ones are going to go. It's a deep year for running backs. You can get one in the second. You can get one in the third. The Dolphins have two second-round picks. I would take Jonathan Taylor, Todd Gurley, and a second-round pick for a total of $14 million next year. That would, be, that would make me very happy. I would take Jonathan Taylor for a total of $500,000 year. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't get that extra pick. I think they really do value, and we've seen it, getting as many picks as possible. And I don't think they're going to use this big pot of money they have purely on players. I think they're going to buy more draft picks, and this is a way to do it. And, and who said the Rams are giving up a second? Well, Can you guarantee me a second? No, no, no. That's, oh. that's, that's my price. That's the only that's the only scenario in which I bail them out of that jam. <laughs> you think the Rams will give you Todd Gurley and a second? Yes. Really? Yes. Uh, I don't think so. All right. Well, we we've gone way long, and we haven't even talked about the, the free agents you've reported the Dolphins at. Because you got me off message. You got me off message. <laughs> it was fun though, wasn't it? Uh, no, it was interesting, and that 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 is an interesting uh, observation and scenario. And I would puke to see it. <laughs> I, look, Todd Gurley, uh, 20, uh, 2014, 2015, absolutely. Todd Gurley, twenty twenty, <laughs> yeah, who, who is who is one wrong step short of an IR experience? No, thank you. Remember how much they loved Gurley, by the way, back in the day? When he was coming out, they loved that guy. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. And, and, yeah. And everybody did who was sane, except for the problem that he's not that guy anymore. That's fair. That's totally fair. But so I, what I, else I, you got free agency? Real well, quick. You, I want to hear your names. You, uh, you had a... Uh, a column that dropped at the, in the wee hours of this morning, and uh, we haven't discussed those names yet. The most interesting name to me uh, in that in that whole scenario, uh, I think people are going to expect me to say Kyle Van Noy because he's a former, you know, Brian Flores uh, love alike. In that <laughs> uh, Brian Flores loved Kyle Van Noy. Kyle Van Noy loved. Brian Flores, even when they fought, and that was often, they loved each other. 
it was like a marriage almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that was great, and that makes sense because the Dolphins need um, an edge rusher. I wonder why they need an edge rusher, Adam. Uh, because they let Cam Wake leave, and they didn't draft anybody. And what 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 else? And what well, else? Is- they, they treated Robert Quinn. Yeah, but they had bodies, right? They they got they've got Charles Harris. They've got a bunch of first round picks on that defensive line. I don't know what the problem is. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. The problem is um, Charles Harris had half a sack last year, and he has three and a half sacks in his career, which is now spanning three years. Not a good, not a good look. Uh, not a well, good. They got, look. they got Taco Charlton. They're fine. No, <laughs> he, he was inactive three of the last four games, um, but that's all right. No problem. So Detroit's Graham Glasgow. Offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. That's the name that I'm hearing. Um, 58 starts over the past four seasons. Not going back to Detroit. Very well respected around the league. And um, and he had a good year last year. Didn't allow a sack. I like that stat. What are, what are all these names you're telling me have in common? Uh, well, um, they're NFL players. They're not going to be at the top of their market. Oh, oh wow, that's, <laughs> that's interesting. Wow, and they're probably going to be more than happy to join an up-and-coming team, quote unquote, and you know be interested in coming to Florida that has no uh, state tax and also has money, and the Dolphins will be competitive, although not crazy competitive. Yeah, it's going to be a wild couple of weeks because I could see them, I, literally, I could see them the first day of free agency doing nothing. And, of course, they'll do things behind the scenes. But that first day is, by and large, those top money guys. And, they're again, things could change. Maybe they go crazy and – they swing a trade for Ngakwe, and they surprise us all. But I, I'm thinking more of the names that you've told me are the names we're going to hear. And, yeah, maybe some of those guys sign in the first day just so the Dolphins get the deal done and the numbers right. The, the tampering period, the tampering's been going on for a while, but the, ta- the tampering period allows these deals to basically get, get done in the three days leading up to free agency. So maybe that'll be the case. But it won't be – we won't be turning on ESPN to watch their draft coverage on, on March 18th. And and the Dolphins are going to be dominating the headlines. I just can't. Be, I, I just can't see that being the case. So would fake GM Beasley sign Joe Thune? Oh, what's the number? Fifteen mil a year. No. Because no guards worth fifteen million dollars a year. Well, I mean, the salary cap is two hundred million now. <laughs> <laughs> We're not talking, you know, a thirty-eight million dollar salary cap anymore. Understood. But I would rather get two offensive linemen at seven and a half than one at fifteen, unless that offensive lineman's a tackle, then I'll pay eighteen. Interesting. Interesting. One more nugget before we go. So I believe that the Dolphins will draft an offensive tackle. This, oh yeah. At eighteen, I believe that they will have the opportunity to draft a starting caliber offensive tackle in the first round because that's how the uh, I've been told that's how the board falls. So they will get a chance to get a good one at 18. 
but that obviously affects the do we trade up for what's his name? And <laughs> we've gone 28 minutes and haven't even mentioned the the, the, the name Tua yet, which I'm actually you did it, and it was my goal not to. I'm I'm, I'm actually proud of that streak because it's that's got to be a record since we started this podcast. It really is. <laughs> now go ahead and say the full name. It's like we we blew it. We blew yeah, it. it's like it's like Beetlejuice, 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 Tua, Tua, Tua. Real quick before we get out of here. Do you believe that he's full systems go? Wow, that's a great question because uh, if you ask him, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm absolutely all systems go. Um, If you get the reporting, you know, look, I'll be honest with you, Adam. I'm just totally uncomfortable with the whole Tua uh, media uh, approach, okay? There's the Miami Dolphins met with, let's see, at the Combine, Joe Burrow, they met with Tua Tungavaloa, they met with Justin Herbert, they met with Jordan Love um, at at the Combine that I know of. Someone told me they met with Jacob Eason. They met with the kid from FIU whose name I can't remember. Uh, All quarterbacks, okay? And the only one who had a leak coming out of that meeting was Tua. Yeah, that's not good. And 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 if it if if it if it if it sounds bad to our ears, it definitely sounds bad to Brian Flores' ears. Absolutely. Now, he also met with the Redskins and there was a leak coming out of that meeting. Right. Uh and by the way, at every turn there have been leaks about his medical condition coming out of his camp about and the leaks are always how great he's doing um so i don't like agenda driven leaks and by definition most leaks are agenda driven but when it's so obvious it starts to bother me for a while after a while and i'm wondering if i draft this guy is this how it's going to be consistently? If he's not happy, is there going to be a leak? If he's not getting his way, is there going to be a leak? If the if one week he plays poorly on the face of it, but in the real in the background, it's the wide receivers as the offensive linemen, is there going to be a leak throwing those guys under the bus? That bothers me. Yeah, no, and it's it's got a concern uh Obviously, Brian and Chris, who come from the Parcells Belichick way of uh, any leaks a bad leak, unless it's their leak. <laughs> but regardless, by and large, any leak that doesn't come from them is not something they don't want because it takes away from the message of the team. It can cause problems. They they don't like that stuff. All that being said, if you think the dude's going to win you a Super Bowl, you're going to live with it. That is true. If you think he's going to be around to make it to a Super Bowl. Um, you know, and I love him. I love him as a player. I hate him as a patient. Uh, that's all I can say about that. That's all I can say about that. Uh, well, thank you for your patience, by the way, listeners. We went long, but that was this was a fun half an hour because we've, we've solved a lot of things. We've solved uh, who the Dolphins are going to take in free agency. We solved who their next starting running back is going to be. And we solved the quarterback situation. This is a pretty productive half hour. Amazing. And we appreciate you listening in. Next week, we'll be in full free agency mode in the middle of free agency. So tune in again next week to the Dolphins in Depth podcast.